Good morning. You still like talking a lot. That's awesome. Hey, it's great to be here with you this morning and uh, just filling in for Pastor Charles. He's on holidays for, for three weeks and just asked if I could come through. And uh, Meredith and I have just come back from England, so been away uh, for three weeks, got back about a week ago, so I'm still jet lagged. So anything could happen this morning. So uh, give me a little bit of grace. Uh, I think that'll be great. Uh, I can't believe that this morning it was Charlie leading worship. Uh, she was nine years old when I, when I left. So, you know, the whole family was up here. Her father's playing guitar, her sister's singing, her mother's on um, the, the words today. So it's a family affair. But uh, she did a fantastic job. I think you should give her another hand. I think that was great. And also... Young Ty, you know, the, these kids, man, where, where are they coming from? They're unbelievable. Just uh, great to see God using young people and uh, just the whole different generations, which is awesome. It's also great today to have a friend of mine that I met about eight years ago uh, while I was shopping at DFO. And uh, while Greg and I went and looking for some, well, I don't know what we were looking for, but we, we thought we'd go shopping. I met this young man called Steve and we've stayed in touch and um, when um, we connected, I said, I'm actually going to be in Melbourne. I'd love you to come to church. So he's here today. Am I going to embarrass you if I get you to stand? Why don't you stand? Turn around. This is Steve. And uh, he's become a really good friend. We're still in touch. And I'm so thrilled you're here today. I really am. And uh, it's great to see your own journey and what God's doing in your life. So it's absolutely awesome. You know, this morning I, I um, just want to continue the theme about Anzac and the sacrifice, um, you know, of Jesus Christ, but not only his sacrifice, but the sacrifice of many others in our lives. Do you know, we're all beneficiaries, beneficiaries of somebody's sacrifice. How many of you know that? Um, we're here today because somebody sacrificed something for us. Now, we know that as Christians, we know Jesus Christ did. Actually, there's a great psalm in Psalm 103. It says, Bless the Lord, all my soul, and forget not all his benefits towards you. He forgives all your sins, heals all our diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Aren't you glad for the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, who today has delivered us, set us free, healed us, and today we are in this place because of his incredible sacrifice, which is ongoing to every generation. But I'm also very conscious of other people's sacrifice. I know in my own life, um, I'm always rem reminded of my parents' sacrifice. My mother uh, gave her life to Jesus Christ when I was five years old. If it wasn't for her sacrifice, I wouldn't be here today serving Jesus Christ. And so I'm very mindful of that. I'm mindful of my father who, you know, we didn't get on that well. Um, he was quite a stubborn man, being Italian. Uh, you know, he, had, he was set in his ways. And he didn't actually give his life to Jesus Christ, to acknowledge Jesus Christ till he was about 70. And so uh, when he found out that, you know, I was being called to ministry, he really battled with it. Um, and so we, we, had, we didn't have the greatest relationship until one day, I remember I was about... 22, 23 years old, and I've, I've told this story before, um, I um, went to see him at work, 
Now, my father worked for different car companies. Uh, he used to work for GMH Holden and then went to work for Mr. Bishy. Uh, he used to call it Mr. Bishy, not Mitsubishi. Who do you work for, Dad? Mr. Bishy I work for. And um, I'll never forget that day because I walked in to this huge, huge factory. And uh, the things that hit me was the heat, the incredible heat. As I'm walking, trying to find him, and there was someone who was, who was uh, directing me in that, in that path, the things that hit me were the heat and the noise, just the different machinery. And I finally got to where he worked, and he was so thrilled to see me. They were having smoker, and he introduced me to his mates. And um, my dad was wearing overalls. He was an arc welder. So he used to weld um, petrol tanks. And he's introducing me to all his mates, and then he took me to the cubicle that he spent eight hours in with a welding mask, overalls, earmuffs, and there he spent eight hours, and I thought to myself, this man's a prisoner. He, he comes in every day, eight hours a day, because he puts food on the table. And that just shifted my attitude towards my father. It was no wonder he'd get home every night and all he wanted to do was spend time in the garden. And, uh, you know, sometimes we forget that we are... We, we benefit because of somebody's sacrifice. And I, and I just want to say today, as we come into Anzac Week, don't take things for granted. Don't take, take, don't take people for granted. Don't take your family for granted. And I, I'd love for you this week, maybe make that phone call that you need to make to just say thank you. And um, I, I don't think we do that enough. How many of you know that? Um, just those little thoughts can really just help somebody. Is that all right? So this morning, I actually changed my message because of Anzac, and I was going to talk on the theme of where the church is going, but I just felt today to, to talk and focus on what I call others' awareness. So the title of my message is Being Aware of Others. And, uh, you know, I, I love the concept that we started years ago about pastoring your own row. I just wonder today, do you know the people in your row? Are you aware of who they are? Sometimes those little things can change the way we approach things. So I want to talk about the subject called Others' Awareness. Uh, about eight years ago, eight or nine years ago, Meredith and I watched this program called Filthy Rich and Homeless. Uh, I don't, who, who watched the program? Did anybody ever watch that program? And, um, you know, she, she really wanted to watch it. I didn't really want to watch it, but she wanted to watch it. And see, I had some, you know, I had some attitudes about homeless people and particularly people that um, are beggars. If you go to Europe, there are professional beggars and I've encountered some. But we watched this program and it had such an impact on her life and my life because it went, I think it was over a period of, I think it was a series of three, three series. She was really, really impacted. She goes, we've got to do something. She goes, we've got to change our attitude. Whenever we um, you know, meet a homeless person, doesn't matter if they're trying to rip us off, doesn't matter what's happening, we're going to reach out. So much so that she made two boxes for us full of non-perishable items. She said, we're going to be ready. 
She put one box in my car, she put one box in her car. Do you know what? For the next three months, we could not find a homeless person. <laughs> we did everything. We were running around. Where, where are they? It's like they went and hid. They thought, uh-oh, Meredith's on the case. We're hiding. And, um, you know, I was thinking, where are these people? I remember, you know, because I was pastoring, you know, the church at Bendigo. I remember coming back from Bendigo. I was hungry. And I remembered the box in the back of the car, so I ate it myself. <laughs> There you go. That's how much I was thinking about others. It was terrible. But, you know, the Bible talks about, it says in Philippians 2, 4, it says, don't just look out for your own interests, but look out for the interest of others. You know, we, we live in a society. It's amazing how we've got so much technology. We should be the most connected society that there is. And yet loneliness is an epidemic. Do you know, one of the, the, one of the greatest problems in Australia is that people are lonely. You'll be surprised. They live in your street. Some of them are in this place today. And with all this technology, we've lost the ability of the human touch. It's really quite interesting. It's interesting that in the Noah Webster Dictionary, there's 113 words on self. That tells you a little bit about how self-focused we are. And we can all become so selfish. So today I just want to ask you two questions just to probe those thoughts about how do we become more aware of others. And I'm not preaching at you because to preach this message you have to live it. And like I said, when we watched that series, something shifted in me because in the context of living in a church community, uh, you can live in a bubble. You, you can lose touch of the reality of what's really happening in the world. And with the people, and particularly as a pastor, because you can live in this bubble. You know, I heard this saying that we are great keepers of the aquarium, but we stop being fishers of men. And sometimes we are. We just, we, we know how to live in this community. And I think it's fantastic. I think it's a great blessing. But how many of you know our mission field is the moment we walk through those doors and when you really think about it, you know, we're in church two hours a week. What do we do with the message of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice in our lives? So I want to just ask you two questions today. The first question, I think it's all up in the screen. The first question I want to ask you is, do you hear or do you listen? Do you hear or do you listen? You know, it's really interesting. My wife, when I get... To, Back when she comes home or when I get home, uh, you know, I've usually done my 25,000 words uh, a day. That's how much, you know, psychologists say that men speak 25,000 words a day. Women apparently speak 50,000. So she's got another 25,000 to unload, you know what I mean? And she chases me around the house and, you know, and she goes, and she's talking to me and... And she goes to me, you know, she's telling me, and I said, she goes, you're not listening to me. I said, I am, I hear everything you're saying. She goes, you hear me, but you're not listening. How many of you are a little bit like that? So she grabs me many times, and sometimes she even grabs me by my face. Says, look at me when I'm talking to you. I feel like a school kid. And I've learned this incredible technique. I just glaze over, you know, just glaze over. I'm just not there. But we do that all the time. It's amazing how many times we hear, 
but we don't listen. Do you know you connect greater with the people that actually listen to you? Your friends, your close friends, the reason you're close to them is because they listen to you. They don't just hear you, they listen to you. And I think that, you know, it's so important. Our son David, when he was, he was a little lad, he was only about, I think, two years old, we used to have a, we didn't have remote controls in those days, young people. We just had the TVs where you had to actually go and switch it on yourself. And we used to catch him switching the TV on and off, you know, on and off. And you'd blow a tube like that. So we'd, you know, we'd get him and we'd smack his little hand and that didn't work. So we'd put him in the corner. And then one day we caught him with his teddy bear, Edward. And he had teddy, you know, the teddy bear's paw by the hand and he's switching the TV on and off. How many of you know he heard us, but he was not listening? How many of you know that we do that to God sometimes? We use substitute things to stop us from actually listening. There's a great... I want to just draw your attention to this incredible story in Mark chapter 10 and verse 46. It's a story of blind Bartimaeus. Now, this guy had a huge need. He had a massive need. Let me read it to you. Verse 46 says, Then they came to Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd. Can I just say this? Jesus was always around people. Always large crowd. Always. Whenever he entered into a city, there was always large crowds. The interesting thing, they, he, was, he was leaving the city. No one had actually stopped him. I don't know about you, but if Jesus was walking through this church, I'd stop him. No one had stopped him. And there was a blind man, Bartimaeus, sitting by the roadsides begging. When he heard that it was the Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more. Can I say this? People in pain make a lot of noise. One of the things that I found, we, we think they're weird. One of the things that I've observed that people that are in pain make a lot of noise. They get annoying because they're waiting for someone to listen to them. And here's the interesting thing. Jesus stopped. He said, call him. Now here's the thing. This, this, this guy, the crowd heard him. They all heard him. But Jesus listened to him. I just wonder... You know, how many times we're walking through crowds and I walk through crowds just like you do. And what I love about Jesus is that he had this incredible heart to be sensitive that in the crowd there was always one person that he listened to. What an incredible story because you know that because Jesus listened to him, he stopped. Jesus healed him. I just wonder how many people we encounter every day on our walk and our journey. We're in crowds. You go to the shopping malls. You go shopping. There's always a crowd. But in that crowd, if you're sensitive, God creates opportunities for us to stop. I wonder if we do stop. You know, when we went back to Adelaide uh, back in 1918, we'd built two townhouses. One of them we were going to live in and one of them we built as an investment. And, um, you know, uh, the house got built while we were still here. We ended up going back, but the, the cement hadn't been done around the house. 
And I needed it done because unless we'd got that done, we couldn't put the fence up, our fences up. And so I got three quotes, and the guy who won the contract was an Italian. Of course he was an Italian, because, you know, Italians know how to concrete. You know, we came, we saw, we concreted, you know what I mean? So here we were, and, um, you know, we, he came and, and I said to him, Ross, I said, listen, I'm on a deadline. If you don't get the cement down quickly, I said, you know, you've got a really good quote. I know you're good at your job, but I really need you to make sure that you don't cancel out on me. He assured me, he said, I'm coming. I'm going to be there on the date. I said, because if you don't, it, it affects other contractors. Anyway, the day he was supposed to roll up, guess what happened? I get a phone call, hi, Nick. Hi, I'm, I'm really sick. I've come down with a flu and I can't do your cement today. And how many of you think I believed him? Put your hand up. I'm there, what? I said, Ross. I said, are you sure you're sick? He goes, yeah. I'm, I'm, the guy's nearly dying, you know what I mean? I can hardly talk, you know. And then, well, when are you going to come? He goes, oh, I think it'll be a week. I said, a week? I said, okay, look, I'll, I'll put the contractor back a week. You know, after the week ended, it rained for another week. I was two weeks behind. Then he came. Guess how happy I was? So he came and he comes up, knocks on the door. I'm standing at the door. He's got his guys walking around. And he starts pouring his heart out to me. And I'm there going, do my concrete. All I could think of is, don't talk to me. Just do my concrete. You're two weeks behind. He's pouring his heart out. Was I listening to him? No, I heard him. I was not listening. And as he's pouring his heart out to me, the Holy Spirit, aren't you glad about the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is the most sensitive, the most sensitive part of God that he gives us to be aware of others. And as I'm just hearing this guy, I wasn't listening. It's like the Holy Spirit started speaking to me saying, you're not listening to this guy. You are so consumed with your own world, with everything that's happening around you and what you need, you're not actually listening to him. The, the guy was pouring his heart out. He's saying to me, I'm, I'm really sorry. I'm not only have I been sick, I'm under so much pressure. He had an autistic young, one of his children was autistic. And I couldn't believe, and I don't know whether he was trying to make me feel sorry for him or whatever, but as soon as I started listening to him, guess what happened? The Holy Spirit spoke to me about him and gave me a word of knowledge. He, he was so, under so much pressure, and the Holy Spirit said to me, the reason he's under so much pressure is because he can't say no to people. And because he tries to fill everybody's expectation, everybody gets disappointed with him. He's got, he's got his wife disappointed with him. He's got his mum and dad disappointed with him. He's got his business people disappointed. It's because he can't say no. And so I, I stopped him and said, Ross, I said, you know, I think part of your problem is that you can't say no. I said, you know, you can't do everything you're doing. And as I began to talk to him, he was, he was literally like, you know, you have just given him me a key to unlock the door of my life. You know, we've remained friends and he's done some more concrete for me. And uh, we've gone and had coffee together. And he says to me, do you know what? Can you mentor me? Can you believe that? That, that happened just because I started listening. Now, let, let me say this. I don't listen all the time. But I just wonder 
How many disruptions are happening in our life that God's trying to get our attention to actually listen to someone that's incredible need? And in this story in Blind Bartimaeus, Jesus stopped because the crowd heard him, but Jesus listened to him. Aren't you glad about that? Here's the second question I want to ask you. Do you look or do you see? Um, It's a probing question. Because sometimes we look, but we actually don't see. I'll never forget when we were uh, on the journey of building this church. I don't know if you remember, we landed in NMIT. How many of you remember that? I think we landed there for about a year and a half. And it was around Christmas time. And in in different parts of the NMIT, we'd use them as storerooms. And uh, coming around Christmas, um, you know, we were trying to put up the Christmas tree. And I said to Pastor Charles, Charles... Can you go and find the Christmas tree? I know we put it somewhere. He goes, yeah, okay, I'll go and have a look. Anyway, he went and he came back up about half an hour later. He goes, Pastor Nick, I've looked everywhere. I have looked everywhere and we've lost the Christmas tree. And I said, Charles, you know, are you sure? Because, you know, our budget's pretty tight. You know, I think that Christmas tree cost us $200. Are you sure? I said, I can't find it. So I sent April. Five minutes later, guess what happened? She came back, yeah, I found the Christmas tree. Somebody looked, but they didn't see. And, and you know what? I, I, think, I think we're the same. I, I think sometimes what happens is we look externally, but we don't look spiritually. Uh, Jesus actually said, you know, he's got an ear, let him hear, let him listen. And he said, let the eyes of your heart be opened that we can actually see. The Bible actually says the harvest is ripe. But can we see it? I think sometimes we're blinded by our own selfishness. Let me read you the story about Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19. It says this, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man there by the name of Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not, listen to this, because of the crowd. There's always crowds where Jesus is. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree and said to him, since Jesus was coming this way. This really captured my attention because it says this, it says, when Jesus reached the spot, I thought, isn't this interesting that this particular passage of scripture says that Jesus actually reached a spot. He looked up and saw Zacchaeus. And he said to Zacchaeus, come down for today. I'm going to come to your place. Now, here's the amazing thing. Do you know, I wonder, I think there are, there are divine spots that happen to us. I did a bit of an acrostic on the word spot, S-P-O-T, a spiritual place of transformation. I just wonder... If in our everyday life, there are spots that God gives us that are divinely connected to his purpose, that if we would stop and see instead of just look, I just wonder what we'd see. The another thing that's amazing about the story, that Jesus looked up. Now, you know, I was taught when I was first saved that you look down on sinners. This is an incredible picture of grace. Jesus looked up. And that should be our attitude. Sometimes I think we don't see 
because of attitudes that we have, religious attitudes that we have, um, in our background, and we don't actually see what God sees. God saw this man who had such a hunger to meet him. And do you know what, folks? There are people every day on our journey that are ready for an encounter with Jesus Christ. And if we would just see instead of look, I wonder what would happen. Um, I, I uh, support the Crows Football Club. Um, yeah. Who's a Crows supporter? Put your hand up. Oh, gosh. One person, you are going to heaven. The rest of them, I'm not really sure what's going to happen. Well, you know, the Crows, they've been, you know, they've been going through some really bad years. And um, it was about three years ago, I said to Meredith, the Crows are about to play a game. It was a Friday night. It was a bit cold. I said, listen, I'm going to go to the shop. I'm going to buy some chips. I'm going to buy some Coke. She goes, don't do it. Think of your health. Think of your weight. Then I said to her, and I'm going to buy some chocolate. She said, go, go. There's my blessing. You can go. <laughs> and uh, so, so I went and I'm like, right, I'm going to get in there. I'm going to buy, you know, four or five packs of chips, different varieties, two bottles of Coke. I'll get her some chocolate. I'm going to get in. I'm going to get out. And as I did, I'm going towards uh, my car and my car was parked uh, where there was a little stone wall. And as I'm walking towards my car, I, I see this young lady sitting on the wall and I could see she was in distress. And everything inside of me was going, don't look, because if you look, you'll see. And I'm going, you've got to go to football. You've got to see the football match. This is your Friday night. This is your night. You've got the chips. You've got the Coke. And you got the chocolate. Don't look or you'll see. And so as I'm walking towards the car, I'm going, really, I'm trying to, you know, she's here and I'm sort of walking like this. And I click my car on, open the door. And just as I'm opening the door, the Holy Spirit just spoke to me. Yeah, you know, he, he just interrupts your life. Can I say this? That's what he's supposed to do. The Holy Spirit was not given to you so you can get goosebumps on your goosebumps when you come on a Sunday and lift your hands during worship. The Holy Spirit's there to empower you. The Holy Spirit's there to convict you. And conviction is not condemnation. Condemnation is where you have no hope. You become a prisoner to judgment. Conviction is when the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart about his purpose and about his ways. He says, walk my way. And I just got convicted and I just thought, now listen, I'm not holier than thou. I'm telling you this story because I'm normal, just like you. I wanted to get home and watch the football. I wanted to eat those chips. I wanted to drink the Coke. I did not want to share the chocolate. But, you know, I just couldn't walk past. So I, I shut the door and I said, I said, hey, I said, you, I said, are you okay? I said, you look really distressed. And, and you know, she ha had her head hung down and she just started crying and said, look, I've, I've had a terrible week. It, it's funny how when people are in pain, they start to say things that most probably in another setting wouldn't. And she started telling me 
that she'd had an abortion. She started telling me about the pain of her life. And she says, I'm destitute. I don't have any food. So I said to her, look, why don't you come, grab a trolley, let's take you through the shopping centre and you grab whatever you need to grab. I'll fix the bill. Now don't think that I'm Mr Mighty here because let me tell you, uh, I was struggling. And um, she goes in, as we're coming through this aisle, she started to put chips, packets of chips in her trolley and then she got Coke and I'm going you should be eating something healthy. <laughs> I'm reacting and it's, I'm thinking, and the Holy Spirit's like slapping me going, excuse me, aren't we, aren't we like that? We make judgments on people when we ourselves, but the, it got worse. Because I'm thinking to myself, let's get some vegetables and stuff. She's picking all this stuff. Then we go past the pet section. Now, those of you that know me know that I'm not a pet person. I'm definitely not a dog lover. I mean, every time I stay with John and Jan, they've got this dog, Misty. And Misty has this, this fascination. I don't know what the heck it is that every time I come in, it wants to sit next to me. And for the life of me, I've been trying to wean it off me. You know, I put a pillow between us, nothing. This dog just loves me. I don't know why. And when I was here, all our staff had dogs. And I was just thinking, Lord, what is wrong with these people? What is wrong with our staff? I'm not a cat lover. So we're, going, we're just coming up the pet eye. She goes, do you mind if I buy something for my dog? Now, I'm reacting, like inside I'm going, really? I said, are you, you know, to myself, I'm thinking, really? Now I have to take care of your dog too? <laughs> I met another guy that came into the church that I go to at the moment, um, just recently. He walked into our church. They sort of come just after the church service starts because they know we've got a food pantry. And they, um, and they come because they don't actually want to come to church. They just have a need. I remember this guy coming in and he had this dog and I just couldn't get my head around it because it was like, this dog means more to me than anything else. I, I, I don't understand that. But it's funny how lonely people, how pets really help people. And, you know, this journey since, you know, eight years ago, we'd watched this program, something happened in my heart that I'm very, very conscious when I walk through different places that there are spots, there are spiritual places of transformation that God wants to get my attention because he actually has a heart for people. Without going into too much, that's how I met Steve. It's funny you're here today. <laughs> but I met Steve because we were just walking through the shopping centre and there was one of those situations that we just connected. And I'm thankful we're still connected. People are on journeys. 
And God wants to use us every day because if all church is, is these four walls and two hours a week, we've missed the boat. Then, then what happens is we come to church, but we're not the church. And I could tell you so many other stories, not to boast, because at times I have not responded. There's been times that I haven't actually, where there has been a spot and I haven't responded. And there's reasons for it. One of the other things that has collided with my world is age care. Um, my mother is now 88 years old and most of you know her story because I've told you about her. And she's in, an, she's in aged care. I had no idea about that world. None whatsoever. My auntie's 92 years old. She still lives at home. And I visit my auntie most probably um, once every two to three weeks. This is what I've noticed about my 92-year-old auntie. I go there and she tells me stories about her past. The thing is, every time I go, she tells me the same story, over and over. But it's not about that. It's what I've noticed about her is she, she just wants somebody to listen to her. There is an incredible chaplain in my mother's uh, care home. My mother's very loud. Um, she's not the easiest person to handle. She actually controls the whole care, her whole ward. Um, I've, I've made great friends with Sam, the director, and we laugh about my mum. But one of the things that I appreciate so much about this chaplain, who's an incredible heart, she listens, she doesn't, doesn't hear, but she listens to all the stories my mother tells her. And something happens to her heart. And I... And, you know, since I've been going the last two to three years, I've been going to this care home, I've become aware of a world that I never, ever knew. I just wonder, you know, young people, you're, in, you're at school. I, I just wonder, because this message isn't just for old people. I know you think it might be. But I just wonder, you know, who you come in contact with during the week in your school that God wants to help them on their journey. And I just wonder if you'd be open to maybe think and go, hey, do I hear or do I listen or do I look and do I see? I, I think some of you, even this week, that's going to happen to you. And here's the thing that I find, that if you respond, if you actually open up your heart, it's amazing the connections that happen. But one of the reasons that I love hanging around John is he, he's like a magnet. He, you know, we can walk through a mall. He, I hear things, he listens. I look at things, he sees things. And if ever you want that to rub off on you, just go with him in the mall one time and see what happens. I remember we went to see Aladdin and um, I think it was um, the Hendries, we went with the Hendries and your family and we came out and this old lady had fallen down the stairway, well, I was just looking at her going, oh, wow, she looks like she's hurt. <laughs> Colin looked a little bit more compassionate. 
John was in there like a flash as soon as she, for she, he went up to her. He's, he's kneeling with her on his knees. And she, they had to call the ambulance. He said, you know what, now we need that magic carpet so we could put you on, you could fly. He's making her laugh. You know, sometimes all we do is we get the chance to sow seeds. Sometimes you won't see the full impact. You know, the girl that I helped, you know, in the shopping when she finally we paid for her bills, we came out. I always now carry a business card. It's always Uni Hills, so if you get an email, <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> I haven't changed the card. Um, I gave her the card and I had Pastor Nick Rich. She goes, are you a minister? I said, yes. She goes, <gasps> she goes you're not going to judge me, are you? And I really, that response really got me because I thought, is that what people think the church is about? You know, there's three movies that, um, because, you know, caring for people or what we call evangelism is, is a war. Trying to help people is like a war. I wonder if you could just flash up these, these three um, movies. Um, Saving Private Ryan. Talk about Anzac Weekend. We, we can learn a lot by some of these war movies. This, this was a movie about these brothers who were all, and you know the movie, many of them had, I think out of the whole family there was seven of them and I think six had died. And they went after this one brother to keep the family alive. Isn't that amazing? Jesus says that. Jesus said, go after the one. I think we can learn a lot. Here's a second movie which I think impacts Schindler's List. Wow, I remember watching that movie and thinking to myself, I remember that last scene. I can't remember the actor's name. But he's looking at his watch. He's looking going, what is a soul worth? And sometimes I think we need to be reminded, I wonder what a soul is actually, with all our busyness and all the white noise and everything that we go through every day, uh, every day there are opportunities, there are spots that God wants to give us. If only we'd be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. You know, I believe there's a, an awakening. There's, there's two to three things that are changing in the kingdom right now that God is trying to emphasise. First one is discipleship. The, the, the second one, is evangelism. I think there needs to be a revival in the church for seeing people wonder Jesus Christ. How many of you believe that? And guess what? It doesn't happen off this platform alone. Because I wonder if we all responded this way and if we all were aware, because evangelism should not be an event. It should be a lifestyle. And we've gone so far away from it. And because sometimes I think we, we miss the reality of the value of a person. Here's the third movie, and then we'll close. Can I, Andrew, could you come up? Um, Hacksaw Ridge. Do you know, sometimes we get ourselves in this caught up in what I call spiritual warfare, where it's like, you know, the devil's given us a hard time. Do you know, there's, a, there's a, a great great way to respond when you're going through a hard time. Do you know what it is? Reach out to somebody else. If you're going through a hard time, do not get caught up in the whirlwind 
or the hurricane or the storm that you're going through. Because I want to tell you something. If you get caught up in that, you're not going to listen to anything. You're not going to see anything. You're, gonna just, you're just going to wallow in your own thing. But the moment that you reach out to someone else, the storm, your perspective totally changes. Your perspective totally changes. I don't know how many times, because that's what storms do. They, we, we get self-absorbed with ourselves. My wife does that really well. I don't do it that well. She does it really well. There's something powerful that happens when you reach out of your own world, you reach out to someone else. Um, we just came back from England and um, over in the UK, there's a, there's a lot of beggars. I, I was so thrilled to see my wife every, and some of them could be professional beggars, I, I know that. But there's something that has shifted in her that says, you know what, you just don't know. You just don't know. One of them could be a spot. So I wonder today, as we come into this Anzac week, where we're gonna hear about the sacrifice of others, I wonder what we're going to do because of the sacrifice of others. I wonder if some of you, um, like I said, need to make a phone call. Maybe today you're struggling, but you'll be given an opportunity maybe to reach out to someone. Do you know, even on a Sunday, this is why I say, you know, don't come to church and just come to receive. There are people here today that are hurting. They could be sitting in your row. And if you would be sensitive, it's amazing what God can do. I'll never forget. Sometimes, <clears throat> you know, I'll never forget when Jade, and she's not here today, but when Jade came into the church about... I think it was six years, seven years ago. And she had a brain tumour and she was sitting right over there. And uh, I think it was John, he came to grab me and said, hey, could you come and pray for Jade? Now, let me tell you, your world changes when you've got a medical condition like that. But the amazing thing about that morning was that sitting behind her was Cheryl Valentine who a year before had been diagnosed with a brain tumour and had gone through the operation. Now, isn't that just like God? How could you set that up? You, you can't set that up. And Jade's there, and I, I got Jade up, and we're about to start to pray with her, and, I, and I'm thinking, hang on, Cheryl has walked through this. And I said, you know what? You're not going to believe this, but there's a lady who's sitting behind you and she has been through your journey a year ago. Well, guess what? They connected, they hugged, they cried, 
Then they started talking about the doctors. Guess what? They both got the same doctor. Is that God or is that not God? Is that a spot or is that not a spot? And Jade got through her journey and Cheryl and Ross used to go and visit her all the time because sometimes God will use your own journey to help somebody else's spot. Can can you hear what I'm saying today? So why don't we just close our eyes just for a moment. If you're here today and you've come and I I don't know what your situation is. I do know this, that God loves us. He sent his son Jesus to die on a cross to pay the ultimate sacrifice so that we were no longer prisoners to sin. And if today you haven't heard this message and you'd like to respond, I'd love to pray for you. And this is maybe the start of your journey. You might not understand it all, But if you want to start this journey of accepting him, I'd like you just to slip your hand up. I'd love to pray for you. If you want to do that right now, that would be great. I just want to make sure that I give this opportunity. There might not be, but I just want to make sure I give this opportunity to somebody. Okay, not a problem. But let me say this. If you're not ready to make that decision but would still love to talk, I'd love to meet you straight at the front, straight after the meeting. That'd be great. Would you stand to your feet? Um, there's a young lady, just uh, you, you're wearing a, a white T-shirt. I'm looking at you. Yeah. Um, how are you? Good. Uh, you know, just before this... I got up to preach and just looked at you. I I just want to encourage you, you know, in your journey. I just really sense that God's healing you. There's some disappointments that have happened in your life. And you're stuck. There's some stuff in your life that you're just stuck. And if you keep moving forward towards God um, and you reach out, because I tell you what, you've got some stories to tell that can help other young ladies. And if you reach out, and, and I really believe uh, that what's going to happen is you're going to start to listen a lot more. It's like God's unblocking your spiritual ears and you're going to start to not just look, but you're going to start to see. Get ready because as you start giving out, guess what? You're going to start getting healed. Does that make sense to you? Right. Would you just, um, can I pray for you? Is that all right? Yeah. Let me do this. all pray for her right now. Father, just thank you for this young lady. Holy Spirit, I thank you that uh, right even at the beginning of the service, uh, you were just, it was like, Lord, you were just pointing her out because you love her, you care about her. Father, I pray that today something significant would shift in her life, that, Lord, she would hear, but she would listen. She would look, but she would see. Lord, I thank you that you, healing her. Lord, her journey, that disappointment's going to lift right off of her. And Father, she's going to share her story with other girls, other young ladies that are carrying just disappointment in their life. Father, we thank you for that in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Now, why don't you, could you do this for me? Could you just put your hands out in front of you? 
just say, God, today we're open. We're open for you to speak to us. Lord, open our eyes. Open our ears. Let us listen and let us see. Father, I pray. Lord, I, I just know that even this week, there's going to be some spots. There's going to be spiritual places of transformation. Father, I pray for boldness. I pray for courage. Father, I thank you for the Holy Spirit that leads us and who gives us the words. Lord, I just know, I, I just have this incredible sense that, Lord, as we become aware of your voice, that we listen to your voice and we see what you see, Lord, the harvest that's right. Father, you're going to help us to connect with those people. Father, I pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much. God bless you. It's been fantastic to be with you.